All right. Yay. Okay, it's working. Okay, so Janara Nierenberg here with Launching Deeply, and I'm sitting here with Emil Mosseri, who is the incredible Oscar-nominated composer behind films like Minari, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and a bunch of other movies and shows, and your own um, uh, solo album, Heaven Hunters, debuted last year, which I'm so thrilled about. You're going to be in town here in San Francisco in February. I'll be there. Can't wait. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's so good to see you. I'm glad we finally connected. And um, I would love to just, you know, introduce everyone to you, your work, your story. And I want to kind of go back. I want to hear about your, you're from the East Coast, right? I know you're in LA now, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm from New York. Um, and uh, I've been in LA for, I think, almost six years now. And I'm, I feel like it's, it's swallowed me and I don't think it's going to spit me back out. I feel like it's, I don't know. It's, it's seduced me and I'm here for keeps. It feels like I'm like settled here. I, I, I miss New York, but I also love it here. Um, okay. So I was going to ask you, it sounds like it's, it's a good, good, good kind of swallowed up. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, you know, I I moved out here and, uh, so, you know, you get soft really fast. You move out here, it gets, the weather's nice. You get used to a certain quality of life. And then I think that's why it's, it's hard to imagine leaving it. But um, also I had a baby and well, my wife had a baby and uh, I bought a house and just sort of like, I'm like rooted here. But um but yeah, no, I love it. I I I feel like I have fantasies about moving back to New York when I'm in my fifties or something. I have like it all sort of worked out in my head that I'll like go back there as a as an older fellow, you know. But who knows? I think it's a common fantasy to like go back to our roots. Um, it's funny. I have family like in the Midwest in Missouri, but I grew up in San Francisco, and so I feel like such a like coastal kid. Um, but there's, there is kind of a pull there, isn't it? To go back to where you're from. I think so. Or you romanticize it in a way you kind of look back at it and think about, you have like, we have like selective memories, I think over when it comes to like, you know, like, I don't know how much is it that I miss New York or how much I miss being like 26 years old, you know, it's all kind of one thing, you know, like, um, and then you can, with New York, like when I go back to visit New York, I go back and visit in these seasons that are really like I don't go back in February for like a month I go back in the spring or the fall and I have like this sort of curated um cherry picked select like selected memory of like the, this romantic memory of this place um but it wasn't like it is a magical place but it wasn't like that to live there because I lived there my whole life and it wasn't always fun you know but, uh, and did you grow up in the suburbs? Yeah, I grew up like an hour north of uh, Manhattan, in New York City. So yeah, I grew up in the suburbs. Then I moved to Boston when I was 18. I went to school there for a few years. And then I moved to back to, I moved to the city when I was 20 and uh, lived there till I was 33. And now I've been here for the last five years or so. And uh, yeah. That's it. 
Well, congratulations. I mean, I've, you know, I've been watching your career, your work for the last few years and, um, your music is so incredibly, um, rich and soulful and emotional. Um, it's so clear. It's so apparent. And, um, I'm curious to hear about your journey, you know, going from, playing in like indie bands mm-hmm. <laughs> those to like now you're in the heart of Hollywood hanging out with you know A-list directors and collaborating with A24 and um and and promoting your own work it's it's a very interesting journey as well as I can imagine that it's it's actually a lot to manage between your collaborations and then producing your own work um, yeah yeah well, yeah, no, it's it's been it's sort of I'm kind of re-entering the music world or the music industry now after sort of being in there, being in it in the rat race of it for my whole life and then stepping outside for about four or five years and now like re-entering it and trying to balance scoring with making records. And um, I feel really lucky to be able to do it. I feel really, really um grateful to be able to do both and to be able to to work with people that that like push me and all that but uh as in terms of filmmakers but yeah it's a weird it's a different it's a totally different world than when I was in it you know like like coming back to the music industry it's like things that meant something six years ago don't mean that anymore like there's so much music. There's so many incredible artists putting out music. And a lot of them are like 20 years old, you know? And it's just, and it's, you know, with, I sound like I'm an old man now, but I feel like there's this vibe of like, I don't know if you had this experience where you like, you you haven't heard of an artist and you, you know, there could be, there could be an artist that's selling out Madison Square Garden that like we haven't heard of, you know, because it's, there's not just like one central place for people to find music. It's just, it's just vast. So like, I don't know, trying to, for me, I'm just trying to play shows and make records and then work with filmmakers that are, that are um, inspiring. And I think I got a little bit, you know, I'd scored films for like 10 years or so that, that like short films and like films that nobody saw and not all of them, some of them weren't very good you know, I did that for about 10 years before I moved out here and scored last black man in San Francisco. Um, but when that happened, I kind of, um, got spoiled a little bit with, I got, I had three films in a, in a one year that were like very, very special made by really, really, um, incredible filmmakers who were making really vulnerable films. And I kind of had a little bit of a false sense of like how, how, how common that was i thought oh the like you know um and with a little bit of space from it i'm like i'm lucky to be in a position where i I can be a little bit selective or try to work on things that that um are meaningful to me or that that inspire me because just just being like a new dad and making records and trying to play shows and score films like there's just so only there's so much only so many hours in a day and I'm trying to, um, to navigate it all. And then just also just like the, the, the feeling of 
playing music with other people live on stage is like it's something that I missed like terribly. I didn't really know how much I missed it until I just started doing it again last year. So, you know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's so exciting. And I'm, I'm so thrilled for you to be able to um, have that range of experience. And I feel that it's what you're describing, I think is common for artists, you know, um, you obviously it's, it's the craft that you're in love with. It's the craft that guides you and pushes you. And, um, and when you get, when you get too far away from it, you know, you start to feel like a little off. Um, and it's, it's so rejuvenating when you can kind of get back to it at the same time, there's like the practicalities, which is, yeah, you've got to pursue all these other opportunities, you know, get your work out there, do whatever you can. Um, so I think, yeah, I think what you're describing is like pretty common and, and you're right. You're so, um, lucky. All of us are so lucky to, get to do that and you know I yeah, know all this stuff in the publishing and literary world but I I feel like I hear the same themes between like publishing and like Hollywood it's the same kind of thing you know you're oh, writing, yeah. you don't want to get too far from it and when you get back to it you're like okay this is home but then you know you do that for a little while then you've got to do something else to like pay the bills and so exactly yeah it seems to be in the music industry right now seems to be in this just failing you know, like, like it, there's between streaming and, and touring and like how, how artists, an artist's path to making a living as a, as just as a recording artist is like, so, like for me, like I score films and I make money scoring films. I'm very, very lucky to be able to do that and like work with artists that I love and, and, and do that. And I love it. I love the collaborative spirit of it. I love it in so many ways. Um, but that's how I make my living. And then like playing shows or making records, it just, it, it, it seems impossible to make a living. Like, I don't like what are the avenues to make a living in that space? For me, it's like, I, I want to play shows with like a lot of musicians. I want to play shows with great musicians. I hire musicians to play with me. I try, I want to make music videos. If I put out a record, I want to make album art. I want it like everything costs money and it's in it. So it's, I, I, I just, and, and, you know, it's always been this way, I think it, but it's just, it seems, uh, very, very like, like, like daunting to, to make a living, just like singing and writing songs. And, um, so part of it is oscillating between both of those worlds but at the same but there's another part of it that's like just like scoring films does sort of inform and just changes you anytime you work on something it like it changes you as an artist on a molecular level so you it, it's going to change your records it's going to like one one thing kind of feeds into the other i think too you know but um absolutely yeah i think i think collaboration for artists is so it's so critical and that's where you feel like you're connecting with like your people, right? Like your tribe and people who inspire you and push you to grow. Um, sure. I, yeah. It's so essential. And that's, um, you're lucky that that's also what's paying the bills. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. And it's, it's, uh, 
um i don't know like scoring is so, there's so many people that are so talented that are that are working on it and it's just it's, scoring is a weird thing because a, a film or or director is like a, a delivery system for your music to people in a way like that like when you make a record on your own you you realize oh how much you how much work it is to t- try to create something and then and then after you make it like it's a whole other part of it which is just finding a way for it to reach people and yeah the the marketing of a film is like a it's like a bus that drops your music off to, to the people you know and you can't look at it that way while you're working on it because you don't want to shoehorn your music into a film that doesn't it doesn't fit you know like you don't think about making a record when you're just going to film you're like thinking about how to serve the film but you also want to write music that 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 you would want to listen to i i try to do projects that i write music that let me write music that i want to listen to outside of the film that, that like works out of the context of the film but yeah then but then that that also has its own complicated shit with that it can do to your brain chemistry because there's this sort of like um there's this sort of like uh like fl- like flood of dopamine on your brain when you release something or and, and Hollywood is also very like unhealthy place for your for your brain chemistry I think you know and for a lot of people I mean I feel it even as like a 38 year old man it, it was like like very behind the scenes like composer not front not face forward you know, like not famous, none of that. Like, so I can imagine for like young singers or young actors or like in, in, in LA, like what it what it can do to your brain chemistry to like have a project get plugged into that big machine and then, then the machine is like on your brain every day, press all this stuff and then it turns and then it like a fire hose, it like turns off. And then it's like, people want you want to get back into the mix but then you want but you also like as a composer you have to wait same as an actor you have to wait in that space for a project to to be generated that 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 fits with you and that you fit with it so you can't self-generate whereas making records you can just you can make whatever record you want to make and and put it out however you want to put it out and like the show, you, know, you have control and agency, you know? So it's kind of like balancing those two, those two parts of your musical life is like kind of a, a, a challenge, but it's, uh, it's good. I feel really, you know, lucky to be able to do both. Also, it's nice. It's like, there's a novelty if you're doing one thing, you're making a record and then, you finish a record, then like scoring something's really fun because you, you you didn't just do it. You know, I think bouncing between things actually can be a good way to take care of your creativity, you know? Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. There's so much there um, that you just shared and I, I want to get into all of it. Um, you know, like how do you, man, I don't know. Like I'm just imagining being, there in LA in the heart of things and being pulled in all these directions. And, you know, you've, you know, you've got your family, you've got your, your professional life. Um, what, what does keep you grounded actually? Like, like 
staying in touch with friends who are not in LA? Um, or do you, I mean, on a really granular level, are you someone who takes a lot of walks? Um, Yeah, I should take more walking is good, you know, um, you know, I, I don't, I think also like there's there. Um, yeah, just like making music with people. I think what, what, where another piece of it is like being in this studio every day, all day by myself working on um, composing like for, for a film, if, if that's what, what I'm doing at the time that can that can you can lose a little piece of yourself like also going like from LA being surrounded by people from New York being surrounded by people all the time to living to LA this more suburban like lifestyle that that's a big adjustment and I think just like but just just like playing music with other people having people come here going to other people's studios making music playing shows that's like the most grounding thing like it reminds you of, it reminds me of like you know my old life or my 20s or something you know like playing a like i would do these shows in la uh at this place zebulon last year i did like six months of shows like a residency and then the next day like picking up my gear the next day after the show and like you know folding your cables and being on the stage that you were performing on the night before like the smell of it that thing the thing like that that grounds you in a way like um to that life and not to just the sort of digital version of it which is like being in isolation writing a ton of music it ends up in a film and then you release it and it and then you get digital feedback on social media or whatever you know so i think just like being in a physical space and anything you do is going to ground you like with other people i'm also extra i'm also an extrovert so like being around other people sort of recharges my battery and um playing music with other people but then also above all that just being with my with my girls with my wife and my daughter like that it grounds you in a way that's a new that's like it's my daughter's only um she's going to be two in april and uh so it's new but it it, it it's the most grounding thing i think just having something somebody to that's not me to be obsessed with you know you know mm -hmm. you, i love that <laughs> yeah you know but um tell me about like behind the scenes like how does this all go down i mean how did you first connect with joe talbot how did you connect with lee isaac chung mm -hmm. um what is the yeah what are the inner workings of you know yeah, creating those question. collaborations are you going through agents and managers are you just building relationships um sometimes it's through yeah it's through uh producers like those two films joe and and isaac so joe i met i moved out to la i kind of got into scoring through a friend of mine named terrence nance who's an incredible filmmaker he made a, a, a feature film in 2012 that I contributed some music to called An Oversimplification of Her Beauty. It's like an incredible film. And then I'd scored some short films for him over the years and he made a music video for my band. And then in 2018, I moved out to LA and he got a show picked up by HBO called Random Acts of Flyness, which was sort of 
a hard show to explain, but a really magical, colorful, um, powerful show. And I was one of five composers to to work on that. And from there, I met um, an agent who introduced me to to my friend Christina O, who introduced me to Joe Talbot. So Joe, who directed Last Black Man in San Francisco, I met him like a few months after I moved to L.A. through my friend Christina. I mean, I met them both, and then Christina. So so I met Joe, and we did we did that film together, and it was kind of Christina's first time producing a film on her own. It was Joe's first time directing a film a feature-length film and my first time scoring a feature film on my own with an orchestra so like it was yeah everybody was a little nobody really knew what we were doing we were all figuring it out kind of on the fly which was what made it so magical I think I mean it was stressful at the time it was extremely stressful but but also um romantic and exciting and and um really charged you know i think there was a real family around that film with jimmy and joe and christina and our friend adam who's the newport barrow who's a cinematographer and you know jonathan majors and everybody was just everybody everybody was new and we were in this situation making a film and I, I I was on the tail end of that experience because I I met them after the film was shot. So, and I worked on it for like four months or so. And it was uh, just really, really um, just like working 13 hours a day every day for four or five months and uh, figuring out how to do it. Because you kind of get, you get a job and you tell somebody you know how to do the job, but you're kind of full of shit, you know? You're like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. And then you, you're you forced to figure out how to do it. And I think with first-time filmmakers, especially, it's like they they can make something really special because they're they're figuring they're they're figuring out how to do it, and it's not going to be the way anybody else did it. It's, they don't have their their process like dialed into this. So nothing formulaic can happen, you know? Anyway, that was my experience. It was a magical experience. And then from there, Christina um, introduced me to to uh, Miranda July, and I made a film for her, which was an incredible experience, also for the same production company. And then Christina produced Minari, which um, Isaac directed. So it was kind of like, all three of those films were produced by the same company plan B, but then, so there was, but, but, but last black man and Minari were a lot of the same people worked on both of those films. So there was sort of real families around both of those films, um, which was really special, you know, that's sort of that part of it is grounding too, because you're going through an experience that's surreal. Um, but you're going through it with people that, um, are also going going through it together, you know, and uh, processing it with them, and um, that part is the part that is the most special. Like actually making the stuff together, you know.
Yes, and it shows. I mean, both of those films are just so, you know, they're so incredible. They're so moving. They're both like two of my favorite films. Um, and I mean, your music is such a key, key part of both films, you know, I mean, just really driving the emotional arc of of every scene and the entire plot line. Um, you just feel it. And I think that's um, what is so compelling about your music. And um, I am curious to hear about how that how that plays out. So you mentioned with Last Black Man in San Francisco, you didn't really come on till the end. Um, and so is that how you typically work? Is it like production and everything is well underway and then you kind of come in or are they talking to you throughout the making of the film? Are you ever on set to get like a feel of things or how does it work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's case by case. So the, those three films, like, so Last Black Man, I came on, there was a rough cut. So like the first version of the film I saw was three hours long and it was like the edit was messy and long and it was just a very early cut, but it was incredibly like I, I fell in love with it. And then the cut was changing as I was composing. So we would, Joe would extend certain scenes to fit my music a little bit, but I would also conform my music mainly to fit his film. And then with, with Miranda's film, it was a locked cut. So, and it was like very, very fast, like running and gunning, like five weeks to score the whole film because it was a different situation, deadline wise, and the part of the process that I entered in it. And then for Isaac's film, it was um, the first time that I got to write music before they shot the film. And I wrote music, just I read the script and I, and I, fell in love with it and I was inspired and I wrote, you know, like 80% of that music was music I'd written and recorded before they shot the film. And then, you know, I went to set. So they shot that movie in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where my wife was born. So she's from there. We went back to, to, to her old house. We went to, to visit Isaac and Christina and Steven and everybody were on set making the movie and that was sort of a surreal experience because it was, you know, I just, I had just met Isaac. We were like, we had lunch. I met him at the, the LA premiere of last black man in San Francisco. Christina brought him and Steven uh, to see Joe's movie. And I met him and we had lunch, but I didn't, and we hit it off, but we, we, we didn't hang out that much. We weren't close yet. And I just, I just got to, I got like, went to visit them on set and got to see him work. And it was like three days of being on set. They transformed this mobile home uh, into his childhood house, you know, like, so you walk into this, this trailer and you're in the eighties and you're in his house. It was, it was a trippy, surreal experience and uh, really exciting, but also really boring. Like being on a film set is like, incredibly exciting and then when you're not like working you're just kind of observing it's really boring it's like too because you're like they're doing the same scene but you know, a few times and they're setting it up and you're just kind of sitting and but it was it was it was both it was it was boring at times but but magical at times and then and then yeah we made that then like they 
our friend Harry Yoon, his credible editor, edited that film with my music uh, in it. So like he sort of, it was sort of baked into the, to the film in a way that I hadn't experienced that before. So I like went over to watch the, an early cut of the film with Isaac and Harry. And it had like my music in it, you know, and I had to do a lot of, I had to re-record stuff. I had to record an orchestra. I had to write new music. I had to conform old music. I still had a lot of work to do, but it wasn't like, it was, it was already kind of, um, the architecture of it emotionally was there. Like the, the, the bones were there. Um, and I was just really moved by it. Like the film was just really, really powerful, even in its early state. And it was a trip to just like, to watch it sitting next to Isaac who'd made it. And it's, it's his story. It's, and it's about his parents and his childhood memories. And it's this, this poem to his childhood. It was just like kind of overwhelming experience. And then, uh, yeah. And then you, you get to know each other and you get deeper and deeper into collaboration. And, um, yeah, that's the best part. That's the best part of film scoring. When it when it's good, it's like magic. That, you know. um, yeah, and it sounds like each each one is different. So you said it's like five weeks for Cajillionaire, and then you did, I think you said four months for Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And how long was it for um, Minari? It's probably about 10 months or a year. Like, But it was like I wrote the music and then waited for then they shot the like i did a lot of work and then they shot the film and then i did a lot more work you know so it was sort of sandwiched that way so it wasn't like constant work for a year but i i don't know it was probably about a year but then after the film is finished you have to make a record and then you make the record and you you extend things, you edit things, you write new things to make it work as a record. And then, and then after the, you do that, then that was the film that there was a lot of work in promoting the film because it, that film got plugged into the machine of the, the award season, you know? So that, that was like another five months of, you know, talking about your work every day and, and um making i don't know promotion like that's a whole other (laughs) yeah um but yeah so i guess in that sense it was about two years that i was working on on the film you know and on that project from start to finish um yeah so that's uh, a much much longer engagement um and how was your experience like at the oscars were you nervous was like a whole oh yeah i was i was I wasn't nervous because I knew I wasn't going to win. I think I would have been nervous if I thought I might have to get up there and and say something, you know, with under those kind of bright lights. Um but it, it was I was just like it was surreal. It was crazy. It was the best part of it was like getting dressed up and like my wife getting dressed up and just like you know, like my cousin and his girlfriend came over and we had bagels and we got all zhuzhed up, you know, and we, and then the, like a car takes you to the thing and then you're like, 
you're seeing all these people and, and some of these people I I digitally like because it was during the pandemic I had like digitally like met these people on Zooms like um like Trent Reznor and Atticus and Ludwig and and um and these people that we were in the same award season and Terrence Blanchard and uh you have these sort of like round table type things where you meet these people but then like being there meeting them in person it was also elevated because it was like i hadn't seen anybody really because we were in a pandemic so then to have the, your like one of your sort of first social experiences be be that like charged and it was a trip you know and then you go in there and you're like there's all these people i think the person i was the most um like starstruck to see was joel cohen i didn't talk to he just like francis mcdormand he was there like she she'd won that year for nomadland and he was there like as her date you know as her husband it was just like there was a moment where she like I was talking to Isaac and she came over and she was talking to Isaac and and congratulating him and he was just there and I I didn't account I didn't do the like uh, inventory or I didn't count for seeing him like because before it's like okay these people are gonna be that's gonna be crazy but he's I just didn't and he was just right there and I was just, you know just to like just like fan just like you know overwhelmed by that that experience amazing but, moment yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was it was wild but uh and then and then uh it was we just celebrated with um like the team that made the movie and we went to some some spot after the ceremony and just everybody was there that worked on the film and it was that part that's the part of it that was really sweet i mean it does it it's like something that's really true and really sweet combined with something that's really like not to be self-incriminating but that's really like part of hollywood is toxic and part of it is 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 like not is pure i don't want to talk in these sort of in these binary terms but like what part of it is like because you're creating something with your with people you love and sharing it and, and people connect with it so that part of it is like is is magical and healthy in this way but then there's also the sort of bright lights of it that like can fuck up can fuck you up in your brain chemistry and and just make you um just sort of like forget that it's all kind of silly too you know like part, like the like the system is kind of like you there's so many great films and and some of them just get plugged into this machine for reasons that have to do with what's in the zeitgeist or have to do with, you know, other things. And um, you have to like the same way you don't want to be, like if somebody um, if something you do isn't recognized or something that you do is criticized, you don't want to believe it as take it as gospel you have to do the same thing with when it's something that is celebrity. Like it's all, it's all just perception of something like you, you yourself as an artist is, are the, are the same, you know, like, and, um,
I've had sort of a I I'd, I'd had a long road in the music industry of just like um crushing disappointment and and sort of been brutalized by you know opportunities that were that fell through or or you know playing shows for for five people when you're 32 years old and in Lawrence Kansas or or playing for 15 people in Las Vegas or playing whatever and you're like after doing that for like a decade and a half that you kind of like you you have to I'm talking to myself I have to remind myself to like um compartmentalize and just and and like okay just make make things some things will get recognized maybe some things won't but all you can do as an artist is just like keep your pipeline full and keep yourself reacting and creating um and then whatever happens outside of that is completely out of your control when we get into trouble is when we like assign our self-worth as artists to like some external factor that we have no control over you're basically putting your heart in some other vessel and letting it just go wherever it's going to go you know and um that's something i think that takes work but uh yeah yeah i think that's really well put and very wise and um i think about it a lot as well and i mean i think part of what you're describing is the nature of of hollywood and most sort of creative economies is that each component is very temporary and transitory. You know, it's at the heart, it's still gig work. You know, yeah. you have these amazing highs of collaborating with so-and-so and you're like a family for that period. And then it ends, you know, yeah. and then you switch to a different project or maybe you go more inward and you're like working on your own stuff. And then, then you've got to switch over to the the business side and then it's all the publicity work and the award season and all mm -hmm. of that. And um, I know in my own experience, you know, very different in the writing world, but it's it's similar. You know, you're, you're writing for a period, you're going very inward. Um, then there's, you know, the book deal part and there's the the book promotion part and there's all the events and everything. And um, it follows a very similar cycle. And um, I think the the in-between is so valuable. And you and I are, are similar in age. So I feel like I'm at a similar place of sort of learning to ride the the flow, ride the rhythm and find the value of each of those stages and also getting better at um, like making the switch, you know, and the more you do it, the more familiar each component becomes, right? You're like, okay. Yeah, you're like, this is just a different version of, of yeah. this experience that I, that I have had or like different version of, of navigating this world versus the other one. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think it's universal in a way, like, and I think I'm learning to not be um, too self-deprecating about it or too, like, uh, like hard on myself if I get high from getting recognized by something. Like, if, if an artist I love, I find out, like, um, uh, re like, connects with something that I made, I there's a high from it, and then it goes away. You know, like it, there's an expiration on it. And then you're like, what's the, who else likes it? You know, like, um, but I think the more I 
the more if I think of if I think it's lame, if I think I'm lame for for getting getting that high, then I'll just feel smaller and I'll need more validation to make me feel bigger. So I'm kind of learning to just I'll need more whatever whatever it is, ticket sales, recognition, like Instagram likes at it, you know, at its most at its most like superficial like version of get the delivery system of that drug, dopamine and recognition. Also part of it is I was like starved for it for so long. Um or I just I placed value on like needing to be validated or, or recognized by certain artists or institutions or whatever to feel like I had value as an artist. And this is something that's very common, you know, that like we all struggle with to different degrees. But but if we want if you're if you're releasing something into the world, you you are engaging with that part of it. You're like you're like you're saying you you write a book, you write something, and you it's it's this inward exploration and it's this inward experience. And then you wouldn't release it if you weren't going to engage with that kind of feedback and and that whole thing so if not we would just not make record we wouldn't record anything we just play in our in this room and you know and record it to listen to ourselves not release it so when you release it you are sort of i don't know you are engaging with something and i think i've put a the older i get the more the less emphasis i put on the release of it because Something happens when you release something, it, especially when it's a record, when I'm singing on it, it's my words and it's my face and it's my voice. Um, it's so much more exposed that like when I release something, it's almost like, like I just, instead, if I'm at, if I'm equalized, I'm at, if I'm at like ground level, I release something and I just go like this and I need the recognition to get back to or you know what I mean? Because it's so exposed, because you're showing yourself, you are so vulnerable in that, you know? So I kind of, I learned that when I released my record because it was the first time I'd done that. I'd, I'd released many records with my band and I was a singer, one singer of two singers. I was, I sang half of the songs and I wrote, and then three of us wrote the songs. But it was, it's not the same as when it's just you and and it's, there's no director to point to or no other songwriter to point to and say, oh, if you don't like it, that was the part that they, they made me do, you know? It's all you. There's nowhere to hide. So I think from that was really sort of um, excite, really exciting and thrilling and painful to release that. It was both, you know, to release that record because it was a first time for me. And uh, I'm like finishing another one now. Um and about to go through that again sometime in this year, you know, the releasing stage. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it'll be easier this time. I, I, I hope, I don't know, you know. Okay, that's super exciting. Thank you for the hint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, your, in your experience, does it get easier, the releasing things? Well, okay, I guess I'm in a sort of similar place as you. I have a second book coming out, so I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we're, we're on a parallel journey. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so 
I mean, like on a smaller scale, you know, like yourself, I've been, you know, working as a writer for like 15 years. So, um, you know, when you're writing an article, it's like on a much smaller scale, you know, it's something you work on for a shorter time, you release it to the public, you see what kind of feedback you get and that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, I do a lot of these like live literary events and, it's always the same thing. It's like, okay, how many people are going to buy tickets? How well is this going to go? Is it going to sell out? Is it not, you know, um, yeah. same thing with Instagram, you know, it's like yeah. you put out a post or a video and it's, um, I think you just get, you just get used to it. And I think for me, it's like the learning how to be agile and just like put on a different hat and, mm -hmm. Like I was saying, I think the more familiar it becomes and the more times you've done it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm in this place now. And, oh, it's time to switch to that other place. And I think when you're younger and each phase is new and different, it feels scarier and exciting because it's like the first time. But I think as you get older with these creative processes, you can kind of like find your flow a little bit more easily, which it seems like you have, like, you know, you've done, you've worked on so many films now. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really true. Yeah. That you, you, there are different hats and you like, when you, if you work on the longer you work on something, the more you're the, the, the more you're in its jaws, you know, in terms of how it gets, like how it affects you how it's received or how many people engage with it whereas if it's like uh like like in your experience an article or or if it's a a short film or something then you you're not you can sort of in a, in a healthy way just kind of be more agile and just keep creating and move through it and not get caught on how people are reacting to it you know i i I think about other artists that I love and that 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 um, don't seem to care about what people think of their music. But you don't know that. But they just they either don't care, which is the coolest thing ever, or they or they do a good job of not um, engaging with the machine in a way that's they don't that's not transparent, you know. But you don't know. You don't know. Like, it's hard to imagine that anybody's like, because it's human. You create something, you you bleed for it, you make you make it, and then it, like, gets set out into the world. And you want people to, um, to connect to it. But at the same time, if you're making something interesting, not everybody's going to connect to it. And... That's also there's a, there's also a power in that. Like um, yeah, and I think um, I've found in my experience that that's what's so great about um, the collaborative nature of working in any creative industry. Um, you know, like with the second book that I have coming out. You know, we're still sort of in the process of it, but there was yeah. a lot. Thank you. <laughs> there was a lot more feedback from my editors for this one. Um, mm -hmm. It's the material is very different from my first. My first one was um, still like a risk and took a lot of vulnerability and that kind of thing. Um, but the second book um, is a little bit more edgy. So it required a little bit more pushback. And I, it's, um, 
it's interesting. It forces you to think through what that balance is. Like how much is it, you know, is this, are you on a mission to only put out what you want to put out, you know, or are you ultimately interested in the, the conversation that ensues right afterward with, with this product that you're putting out into the world? Um, and do you trust you the are, people? Sorry, go ahead. Right? Well, if you're interested in that conversation, then you have to be really open to the feedback and the input um, because you, you, you're essentially testing it, right? You need to know that, that the material is going to land with people that it's um, maybe the way of saying something is not landing in the way that you want it to land. And so it's, it's really a conversation. No, absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you, you know, I think sometimes I'll, I have it with lyrics where I'll write something that um, is very clear to me what it means and it, it has a meaning to me, but it's, but, but I'm not even aware that I'm hiding until I play it for somebody else. Like there's a few people like that, that I trust um, that I bounce stuff off of a lot and they, they can give me feedback. They say, okay, that didn't, that didn't land it. Oh, that that's not translating at all, you know? Like, what are you trying to say? And I think, I think it's important to, to, to be open. It's like, it's a really hard balance because there's, you have to be open. You have to, there's ego involved, obviously. And you also have to maintain your conviction. And those two things are sort of, can be at, feel like they're very much at odds with each other. Also, sometimes it can be fear and sometimes it can be intuition. Like you're, and they, but they look the same in your brain. They're wearing the same jacket, you know, or or outfit. So sometimes you have something and you're like, oh, am I afraid to put this out because it's so vulnerable? Um, or am I am I afraid to put this out because I know as an artist that it's it's not up to snuff. It's not it's not at the level it should be, and it's sometimes really hard to distinguish between the two because fear is really tricky. It can it can disguise itself as your, your artistic intuition, you know? Um, But in terms of like getting notes and, and getting feedback and knowing when to like hold your ground and say, no, I'm not going to change this and knowing when to be open. That's, that's part of being an artist that's, that's releasing music or, or, or literature or film or whatever you're putting out to the world as part of it and i think in film it it the more money that's involved in a project in a budget of the overall budget of a project the more the less risks uh just speaking very generally the less risks you, you can take and i think the more depends on the medium it depends on what what you need to do on the musical side, it's just about elevating the story or helping the filmmaker tell the story that they're going to tell. Um, but yeah, as, as uh, an artist making records, like I, I work with my friend Bobby Curlich, who's an amazing producer and amazing um, composer. He's just an incredible artist. And he's produced, he produced my last record, he's producing my next record. Or he just we just finished it, but he, there's a trust in it. So like, he'll have notes, he'll have ideas. And sometimes they sound really 
sometimes they, they, they immediately fall in love with them. And sometimes it sounds really wrong to me and I hate it. And I'm like, fuck that. No way. And then more, almost always within 24 to 48 hours, I like, I'll let myself sit with it and I'll let, and then it can be my favorite thing, like on the, my favorite moment on the record or whatever. Um, and I, but it only happens if it's, if you trust them as an artist or if you trust them as a, as a, as a creative. Um, but I think with, with notes, whether, whether it's an, uh, if it's an editor or if it's a publisher, or if it's, or if it's a, a director or a producer, like you just want to work with people that, that are smart and that, that you trust because then, then you can, even if something feels really wrong to you, you can allow yourself that time to, to be open, you know, because otherwise you're just going to, you're not going to grow because you can't see it. Your own book. I don't know what it's like writing a book, but I imagine it's like making a record. It's like right there. You can't see it. It's like you, all you do is live and breathe it. And you need some, you know. Yeah, it's so similar. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's so interesting, you know, like everything you're saying, I, I'm just like nodding. Um, yeah, it's it's so similar. Even like, you know, the equivalent for your producer would be like my editor who um, I love and I'm fortunate to be working on the second book with her as well. So there's that nice continuity and yes. um, the trust that's there, like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, it's so valuable. And I think like, not many people know that or realize that how how all of this, you know, whether it's music or film or books, um, they're really products of collaboration and, and a conversation. And it's just yeah. so vital. Right. It's not just the one star that you're seeing. Right. Whether it's the no. musician or the writer or the actor or whatever. Oh, no, it's, it's a village. Yeah. 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 It, it almost always is like that, even with even with um, a lot of musicians that seem to present themselves in a singular way you know i think about like tom waits or tom petty you know or elton john or these incredible songwriters that are like they're one half of a songwriting like duo you know but they're the face of it um but then even just um yeah i mean a film in the film it's, it's 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 literally a village it's a whole you know city of people working all from different angles on the same thing for for years and years and years and then the music is just like one s small important but small sliver of the the larger ecosystem you know um but and I, that's that's what i love about that's what's it's the most collaborative making a record is too, but it's just smaller scale. Like you have a producer, then you have some other musicians and then and there's other people like invisible people that like, that I'm sure every artist has those people that they trust that they bounce stuff off of whose opinion holds a lot of water for them. They're like, I'm going to, you know, play this for this person. Sometimes for me, it's even, um, being in the same room with somebody else and listening to something I wrote will will reveal is 
is so fruitful for me. It, it will reveal the music will reveal itself to me because I could be in here by myself writing, creating things that I think are great because there's no accountability. There's, there's, I'm not, it's not confronting anything. I'm not, I'm, I don't have to confront what it actually is because it's just me. But if I get somebody in here that I love their taste or that, or, or anybody at all, really, but like I play it for them, it re will reveal itself to me. It's like, oh, actually, I don't really don't want them to hear what's about to happen because it's not, it's not great. Or, or I'm really excited for they're going to like, it, it, it will show itself to you, you know? And I think with writing, I'm sure it's, from my understanding of it in, in, in writing, it's, it's at a certain point, you have to just generate and generate. Like I can't even imagine writing a book, um, generate so much, so much inward exploration. You have to go so far in, you just have to, to create. And then later on edit, you can't, it's from my very limited understanding of it. Same with screenwriting. It's you, you, you create it and then you and then you tighten it up and then you you know um so yeah it's like how do you not how do you get into that flow state and not self edit and not choke off your creativity and then completely switch gears and figure out how to to package something that that's going to actually make sense and connect to to someone who's going to consume it you know that's the that's the challenge that's the eternal question uh -huh. yeah that's the constant balance and um yeah that's the fun of it um i would i would love to hear a little bit actually about um your your process with your with your own work you know um i know we've been talking for a while and i know you probably gotta like go have lunch and stuff but i you know definitely want to just um hear about heaven hunters and your next album and you know i'm so excited to see you live yeah i'm so excited you're coming up. Yeah, yeah i can't i uh yeah heaven hunters i made with um i, I wrote a lot of songs for for a couple of years before and during the pandemic and then i i had like a, a rough version of the record that was written and recorded here just on my own. And then I met Bobby. Um, and he his criticisms of the record at its state when I at the state it was in when I met him really resonated with my own sort of feelings about its strengths and shortcomings. And he I love his work. He did uh I love his work as a producer. He produced this Serpent with Feet record I love. He worked with Bjork, he worked with all these great artists um and as a as a composer and as he his music his own music he goes by axe and cloak that's his his artist project which is incredible and then i love his film scores he scored um midsomar um he scores ari aster's film so i'd fallen in love specific, specifically with his score for midsomar and the film world and uh so I had this trust of, in him as as an artist, not a, as a a technician, you know, not just as a technician, but so he and we just became fast friends and like brothers in this sort of chapter of creating stuff together. And he and I just 
he and I just he he I needed him to to drag it across the finish line and and put it all together. Oh, it was it was so much fun to just we made it here, we made it at his studio, but it was uh yeah it was really fun. And then this next one we did it in a different in a completely different way. Um, we're in a studio with other musicians with a live band. Um, completely different approach, which was fun, you know. So yeah, it's just it's just different every time. That was again the first the first one, you know. So. Um, am I and, correct in um, like when I listened to Heaven Hunters, I felt like I was hearing a lot of nostalgia, like and even and reading your lyrics and you know, there's echoes of like home and youth and connection to place and things yeah. like that. I don't know, were those sort of some of your animating themes? Yeah, yeah, there were. You know, there's a few songs that I'd written. I had an idea to, to write a whole record about family and like different family members of of mine and um and different people in my in my fam in my immediate and extended family. But then I and home, you know. But then I it sort of shifted into this other thing, but there was some of that that I carried on. It was sort of like I was writing songs in, in, in a way that in, in my old band, at least the songs that I was writing, um, some of them were honest lyrically. Some of them were vulnerable lyrically, but a lot of them, I feel like I was hiding in them somehow, you know, and I, and I started writing about specific things and that sort of opened things up for me a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's song there's songs on Heaven Hunters that are like I have, there's a song about my my wife's estranged father. There's a song about my childhood friend who I'd lost a few years ago. Um and there's songs about um yeah, different themes that just things like some some of them sort of grounded in that space, and then there's other songs that are just more just like um exploring just like they're less sort of focal they're more just like a feeling or mm -hmm. just, just chasing a feeling it's hard to talk about your own music <laughs> especially like when you're like right like you figure out how to talk about it after the fact like you just make it and then you figure out oh what what was i doing or what was i trying to do um but yeah i guess i guess that i'm glad that 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 came through you know those sort of basic themes um but yeah it's uh it's a whole other thing with lyrics and and songwriting yeah doesn't it's a more a lot more work for me but it's a lot more rewarding um song like you working within song than instrumental music because it doesn't come Sometimes it comes naturally to me, but it doesn't come as naturally as melody, you know? Um, so it's, but, so it's like, I have to push through, you know, and I have more, I feel more vulnerable in it, which is, it's, it feels like I'm growing, you know? Yeah. But anyway, sure. I appreciate you, you listening to it and, and I'm excited you're coming to the show. It should be fun. Yeah, super excited. I think you'll be welcome in the Bay with open arms. You know, I think last Black Man in San Francisco, you know, there's like such an obvious connection there. And uh, yeah, um, no, 
That's nice to hear. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I feel like that film was like the the family and the community around that film, like sort of re reframed San Francisco to me in this way. Um, and uh, it's such a beautiful, complicated, majestic place. And uh, I've never played there. I mean, I played there a bunch of times in my band, but I've never come up um and on my own and done a show so i'm i i'm i've been looking forward to it for a really long time so i can't wait soon yeah. six weeks something like that yep in february i think february 28th well i'm super excited and i'm just so glad that we got to chat about you know all these themes today and yeah me too we broke through the the uh technical uh <laughs> difficulty uh you know, it's like breaking through the atmosphere, you know? Yes, we did it. We did it. I'm, I'm so yeah. thrilled. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to end there and just hang on for one more second. Cool. Thanks for, thanks so much for being here, Emil. Thanks for having me. What a treat.